series we're starting today is called Here and Now. Now, it doesn't really tell you what the series is about other than the fact that we wanted to talk about where we were going to be as we were planning out the year. In case you don't know this, we make plans uh, for the year and then we kind of break it up into quarters and make changes and adjustments as to where we are, especially this year. <laughs> we make changes where we are. And we knew, we knew we wanted to take advantage. We couldn't do it at Christmas because we're already doing kind of a different take with Christmas this year. We didn't want to do it for Christmas, but we wanted to have a series where we could address sort of the aftermath, if you will, of 2020. You know, where are we here and now? We didn't know where we were going to be. We just knew that we were going to be there. Nod your head if you're with me, right? Okay. So that's why the series is called Here and Now. It's our lack of any other term to be able to say it's important where we are. And we want to talk about the way in which it's affecting us, the way that it's affecting the church, the way it's affecting our culture and our community, and really responding how we respond, talking about how we are called to respond um, in the here and now, in this particular season. I'm going to give you a couple quick articles uh, that I've read over the last couple weeks. This is from an author in a book that's coming out. He says, the United States is caught in a partisan hyper-conflict that divides politicians, communities, and even families. Politicians from the president to the state and local office holders play to strongly held beliefs and sometimes even pour fuel on the resulting inferno. This polarization has become so intense that many people no longer trust anyone from a differing perspective. Go to the next one. This is from Ed Stetzer. This is in terms of the church. The problem is not that Christians have differing opinions. This is part of being a human being. The problem is that brothers and sisters in Christ use these opportunities to paint each other as racist, uncompassionate, communist, anti-American, and non-Christian, all based on their response to a pandemic or who they were voting for or against. It's one thing to differ and debate cultural issues and even values. It is another to judge a person's relationship with Jesus and their standing with God based on their political affiliation. I know it's only been two weeks away, but this has been something that's been flooding my news feed and my social media. How could you call yourself a Christian and vote for this person? There's no way you could do this, stand this way, believe that, and call yourself a follower of Christ. Guys, this is the here and now. This is where we are. And in terms of our 2020, so to speak, the two big stones, the things we've been dealing with, first and foremost has been the pandemic that's wreaked havoc in this world. Right now, there's about 1.31 million deaths recorded. And the economic turmoil around the world, we are all aware of this. Uh, many have lost family members, businesses, careers, homes. They've been displaced with nowhere to go. Some of us have not been directly affected. That's a large part of the, of the Lake Norman community. We've not been directly affected. Your work didn't change except for you had to work at home. Your industry was somewhat stable. But you've experienced the wake, just like all of us have, of how people are responding to it. School shutdowns, social distancing, not being able to see elderly family members, business limitations, and an overall sense of fear and dread which the media continues to pump out. And now, we've got rising case numbers, possible shutdowns occurring. States are already starting to close schools again. 
And no matter where you land in terms of your response, the thing that I found recently that everyone can agree with is that we were all tired and weary, right? We are all tired and weary. The election, the election did not bring our nation together. Big surprise. <laughs> if anything, sadly, it continues to show our division. As the author said, uh, David Wells, the trouble has become that everything is suspect. That in terms of our belief systems and what we do, and social media has played a huge role in this in terms of feeding you a particular view that you align with and really not allowing you very much to see uh, what other views are out there. We've created and, and perpetuated a culture where if you don't align with what I already think and believe, then everything I feel about you is suspect. And I don't know who to trust. And I don't know what to trust. And no matter where you landed in terms of this election, whether you're happy or mad about the projected winners, um, we have a long road to walk with states that still can't count. I don't understand that. Runoffs that are going to be happening and legal battles that are in, 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 in happening right now. I think we all need some encouragement. I think we all need something to hold to. To, to find a place for our trust, we all need a little bit more hope. And that's what this series is supposed to be all about. I'm going to give you the theme verse. All right, this is the verse that you won't, hopefully you'll memorize. This is why we're starting to do a little bit more of this. You can lock into a verse. Uh, I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to have us read it together. Okay? So I think it's a, there's some cognitive benefits to you reading it out loud with me. Okay, Let me read it for you first. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. This is the message paraphrase. This is Jesus' words at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Let's read this together out loud. You ready? These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. Again, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and we are going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount over this series, uh, but, you know, like Journey, we decided to do it a little differently. We're going to start with the end, okay? We're going to start, we have the hindsight of our faith in terms of what you already know, the, the knowledge and faith that you bring through the door. So we want to kind of start with um, the, the, in terms of the, the heart, if you will, or the purpose, if you will, of why Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount to begin with. And that was to bring and deliver what people so desperately needed, which was hope. He ends it by saying, hey, the things I'm going to tell you about, the words I'm giving you, these are foundational. They're not just suggestions. They're not good ideas. They're foundational to live by and to build your life on. It's all going to be about hope. Okay. Now, this is a phrase we use a lot in terms of our culture. All right. If you were to Google um, hope or hope quotes or inspiration of hope, um, you'll find lots of fun things. You'll find lots of, of uh, common ones. This is the one I, I pulled up that was the most common. In terms of Google, I pulled it up real quick, and this was the, one of the top three or four that showed up. This is from the Archbishop in South Africa. This is Desmond Tutu. He says, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. Isn't that a good quote? 
Now, this is how most people use that phrase, use the phrase hope. Even from the most inspirational way of saying it, they talk about hope from the standpoint of, of, of positivity, okay? Of wishful uh, thinking. Let's go to that slide. Of wishful thinking, of optimism, right? This optimistic side of people. Now, I'll be honest, this is okay. You want to have people in your life that are optimistic, right? You want to have positive people in your life. You can't have a negative Eeyore around your life all the time, right? There's a place for them too, sometimes. Anyway, that's an optimism talking to you. All right, so, you know, you know, you, you, it's okay to have optimis, optimism and wishful thinking, and, and it's okay to even use that word there. The problem is, is that in terms of our faith, in terms of what, how the word of God uses the word hope, it means something different. And so as a church, as a church community, we've added a word to it. Obviously, if you've been here for a while, you know what that word is, to try to help bring a deeper understanding of the actual word used in Scripture. Absolute hope. That it's not just optimism. It's not just positivity. It's not just wishful thinking. That there is such a thing in terms of how the Scriptures use this word that, that, that really brings about the essence of our faith right? It, 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 it produces a trust, if you will, in the absolute hope of Jesus. That's how we use the word. So when I'm using the word hope today, just put that word in front of it if it helps you. That's why we made it a part of our mission and vision. We believe it helps people separate it from the way the world uses that word. That absolute hope is different. Uh, you see this in Hebrews 11. This is the definition, if you will, of faith. They say, Faith is confidence of what we hope for. So that's a part of why it's the essence of hope. It's confidence and assurance of what we do not see. That's what we're talking about when we talk about absolute hope. It's this faith. It's this trust in God and Jesus. Even when we can't see it and when there's not you know, we're not sure, even when there's, there's uh, not sure you bring assurance, but it's, you know, you don't have clarity in terms of the way you normally feel like you should be sure of something. It's confidence and assurance, even when those things don't exist. That is absolute hope. And as we look at the, the, the phrase that Jesus said in terms of, I want to give you something that you can build your life on. It's foundational. We believe that absolute hope is our foundation. It is our foundation. Now, I want to take you to the context of, of that verse we read together. In the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is giving sort of this sort of closing, if you will, um, uh, closing application to the people who've just heard the whole sermon. Again, we're going to kind of break it apart over the next few. But they've heard the whole sermon, and he says these words. This is in Matthew 7, if you want to look this up. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, okay? Anyone who hears this and puts it into practice, one of the versions, I think it's NIV says. Anyone who hears this and puts it into practice, anyone who listens and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise, and the wind beats against that house. It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. 
but anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey, doesn't put it into practice, doesn't live by them, is foolish, or it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. Once again, he says, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. These are, this is Jesus' final sort of push and application to the people that were listening and wanting to follow his way, wanting to follow what Jesus was teaching. And here's sort of the rub that I have in terms of, of uh, why we wanted to talk about this in this series is because there are many, many people who have put their faith in Jesus if they were to claim this, claim to be a Christian, but they're not actually building their lives on the words of Jesus. They're building their lives on the idea of who they think Jesus is. But they're not building their lives on the words of Jesus. They're not building their lives on absolute hope. They're building their lives on what we are going to call false hope. Building their lives on false hope is just like building your lives on the shifting sand. Building this house on shifting sand. And I love that Jesus, especially in this, because you're going to see this, that the purpose of this, this uh, application wasn't to, to, to kind of highlight the whole house building process. It was to highlight the fact that there's going to be people who listen and follow and put into practice and obey, and there's going to be people who don't. But there's one thing that's common with both of them. The storm's going to come, right? The storm's coming. That's his way of saying, though the rains come, the storms are inevitable, okay? Stuff's going to be thrown at you, whether you like it or not, whether you're prepared for it or not. 2020 came, didn't it? Right? Whether we liked it or not, whether we prepared for it or not. And guess what? 2021's next. Okay, it's next. And even if I had a crystal ball, it broke this year. I can't tell you what next year is going to be like whether we like it or not, whether we're prepared for it or not. Jesus says, oh, there's a contrast in this, this uh, story, in this illustration, but there's a common thing in this illustration, which is the rains are going to come. Stuff's going to come your way. Life is going to happen, whether you like it or not, whether you're prepared for it or not. And he gives three examples that I believe help us understand. Now, one of the reasons Jesus wanted to highlight this and make it a kind of a big deal in this illustration is because storms will always reveal our foundation. That's going to be the purpose of the storm. Life's coming at you whether you like it or not, but it's always going to do something. It's going to reveal the foundation of what you're building your life on. Now, here's the fun part of the message. I want to walk through the storm. We're going to talk a little bit about why Jesus specifically said some of the things he said because I believe there's something to learn in the here and now in our lives right now about evaluating our own, our own lives, our own houses, if you will, our own faith, and whether or not we are building our, our lives on absolute hope or whether we are just being hopeful whether we're just being optimistic, whether we're just being foolish. 
So there's three things as it reveals storms that reveal our foundation. We're just going to walk through these. I, I kind of looked at these visually. I'm a visual person. And I started thinking through what this looks like for us as we go through storms, as we go through life. And I viewed the rain as kind of like the rain falling, if you will, as when, right, when people or circumstances fail, when stuff starts to fall apart, so to speak, in our lives, right? Stuff's not always going to work out, okay? People are going to fail us. Circumstances are not always going to go your way. It's just the way it is. Hopefully you've lived long enough to realize this. Your five-year plan is shot, okay, as of 2020, and it happens over and over. And that's one of the reasons I love the description as Matthew writes it down. I don't know how, I don't know the exact words we trust that it is, but the fact that Jesus would use this phrase and Matthew was going to record it, that the rain comes with torrents. You know what that means? It just comes wave after wave after wave. Have you ever stood at a doorway getting ready to go to the car in a rainstorm? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You're waiting for that moment when it what? Say it out loud. When it lets up. That's a good southern way. My wife right there, yeah. When it lets up. Why? Because that's the way the rain comes. Things begin to fall and fall and fall, but it seems to be in this sort of like, sort of like torrents, as he says, in these waves after waves. And for us, we have to understand that when things begin to fall apart, when things begin to, to change, when circumstances or people or even yourself begin to fail, that it's going to reveal that foundation, whether it's built on absolute hope or false hope. Here's how Paul, one of the ways Paul described it to the church in Rome. He said, this hope, I'm not going to read the context, but he's talking properly about the absolute hope in Jesus. This hope, it's this hope that we're saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? This is Paul's way of kind of just helpfully describing what's real hope, what's absolute hope, and what's false hope. Sometimes false hope is just the idea that you already have it, that it's seen, that it's experienced. It's something you're able to somewhat control. And, and, you, and you, that's not real hope. That's not hope at all in terms of the absolute hope that he's talking about. And I find this true when I've had counseling conversations and, and seen people walking through this year. That as the storm has come and as things have fallen and things have failed and things, circumstances and people and relationships, that they begin to see what's really at their, at their foundation. See, the, the way it works is that sometimes you can, again, claim faith, claim to be a Christian, talk about, you know, how good things are going in your relationship with somebody, you know, oh, it's all good on the surface, everything looks fine, until the rain came, until stuff started to fall apart until stuff didn't start going your way. What happened then? Well, we began to reveal that maybe that relationship wasn't built on absolute hope. Same thing happens with people financially, right? In their finances, they don't really understand tithing and everything, but you know, they've got a good job, they got a good industry, things are going pretty good. You know, they, they show up to church once a month and you know, throw 20 in the box, you know, and, they, and, they, and that might be too high for you guys, 10 bucks in the box, who knows, you know? You know, and they're doing okay. And they would say, you know, look, oh yeah, God's blessed me, hashtag blessed, that's great. But really, it's, it's not really absolute hope that it's built on. It's, 
It's, it's a false hope because when the rains come, you know, not just the job losses, not just the industry instability that we're experiencing, but the, but the bills, the unexpected bills that show up, the crisis that comes out of nowhere begins to really reveal where our foundation is. And anytime you feel yourself emotionally shifting, you know that you're on sand. Anytime you feel yourself sort of emotionally losing your feet, so to speak, losing your footing, kind of, kind of shifting foundations beneath you, that needs to be a telltale for you that maybe, just maybe, all the success and the, and the comfortableness and the security that you were feeling, you would, you would put a little Jesus bumper sticker on it, but it wasn't really built on him. It was built on the fact that everything just happened to be going okay for a time frame until the rains came. Here's how the uh, writer of Hebrews says, let us hold without wavering, okay, without shifting. This is another language here. Without shifting to the hope we affirm. Again, this absolute hope. God can be trusted to keep his promise. Isn't that great? Okay, here's a question for you. What promise? What promise can he be trusted to keep for you? Oh, trust me, it's going to reveal your foundation, right? Let's all, let's, listen, here's the reality that there's a lot of people, Christians, there's a lot of Christians who really believe that some of the promises of God is that they won't have to go through the storm. That if they just do right in terms of what they believe is right, that they won't have to experience the rain and the flood and the wind like everybody else has to experience it. Tornado come through, wipe out the, 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 the heathen neighbors, their house, perfectly fine. And there's, I'm telling you, there's Christians who believe this. And the moment the rain starts, you've seen them go through a crisis of faith. Does God even, does he even know is he even there? It reveals where your foundation is. So what promise are you what promise are you clinging to without wavering? You know what what promise did you think? Listen, did God promise that your candidate or party would win this election? Because depending on how you were praying, 70 plus million people got their prayer answered, and 70 plus million people got hung out to dry. And I know I'm making light of it, but I want you to hear me really. Like, if you felt some foundation stuff shifting in you over this election, you, you may have been holding on to a promise that wasn't really a promise. You may have been holding on to some false hope that wasn't really the absolute hope, the rock of Jesus. And this guy said, we have to be careful about this. Okay, we, we're cruising into 2021. We've got to make sure that our hope is on Jesus Christ. Not on elections, not on candidates, not on parties, not on who controls whatever, not who sits in the courts or whatever, not in vaccines. Our hope doesn't need to be there because I'm telling you, the rain's going to come. And when it does and the things begin to shift, it's going to be a little too late, if you will, not too late for you. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but not too late for you to make a change, but you're going to experience the shifting sand of the false hope that you had. 
Let's go to the next one. Next one is the floodwaters. Now, when I picture this, what, what a, what a I'll say great example, horrible example, but example that happened really recently this week in Charlotte with some of the flooding that happened. And this is when every area of your life is affected. Okay, let's just all be honest. Most of us believe, believe because we're smart individuals, we're educated individuals, we have a little bit of money and a little bit of affluence. Most of us believe we can handle one crisis at a time. Nod your head if you're with me, right? You can handle one crisis at a time. The problem is, is that as Jesus is using this word, the rains come in torrents and the flood waters begin to rise. The picture that I want you to have is that most of the time, God does not allow us to experience the storm in a compartmentalization kind of way. Okay? It's not usually just one thing that happens. Sometimes one major thing might happen, but it begins to, if, you, if you've built your life on shifting sand, it begins to affect everything. Just like in Charlotte, little, little Sugar Creek down here began to crash because of all the water that not just happened here, but upstream. Didn't even happen here as much as it happened upstream. And as it came down and crested, like, it didn't matter what was there, okay? It didn't matter the parks, the cars that were parked there, the, 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 the houses that were nearby, the school. Like, everything gets touched. Everything gets flooded. And I've seen this happen this year with the pandemic primarily. But it's not never just been one thing that's been touched. That when people began to feel that storm hit their family, hit their lives, it was because they were experiencing everything. There was nothing that was safe. The relationship that looked fine on the surface was not fine. Especially when they were put in their home to work together or, or jobs losses or business loss. Kids' development and schooling shifted and changed, and it began to affect all areas of family and life. Work happened, finances, stress, job, retirement, mental health, emotional stability, friendships, church relationships. Everything got affected. Everything everything got touched by the pandemic. Everything. Everything. And this is why it's so important to have that thing that we can hold to without wavering. There's a hope for us in the midst of when the floodwaters rise and everything begins to be affected. That's not the shifting sand. That's not the false hope. Here's a great, I love this, and the psalmist says it this way. Let, us, let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. I love that phrase this morning. We were, we were singing it in the, in the song. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm actually surrounded by you. That's not just a perspective, guys. That's, an, that's, that's the words of someone who, who's building their life on an anchor on the rock, if you will. So that even when the flood waters rise and everything in life gets touched and affected, your house will not fall. It will not just flip out from the shifting sands and the false hope beneath you. It will remain firm. Here's the third one was the wind. <laughs> when we are worn down emotionally and physically. There's been a lot of wind in 2020. There's been a lot of wind in 2020. 
the picture that I have, and if you've never gone through a real actual fun, you know, hurricane-y kind of thing, I've experienced a couple things in Florida, and we've experienced some pretty crazy winds before. If you've never felt the beating of winds against a house, it's hard to imagine, but, but you, I know that everyone in here has felt it physically and emotionally. That when the storms come, it just seems to beat you down. And I'll be honest, for me, I'll just share this with you. For me, this year, I've had several very long, very difficult conversations with God. For my own heart and my own life. Why? Because the way people were responding and continue to respond to the pandemic, and I'm not talking about just a few people, I'm talking about all people in terms of the, the, the polarity, if you will, or the opposite extremes, if you will, of how they choose to view and respond to this pandemic, and now the political division that we were sensing all year, even now, even after the election. Guys, it has wore me out. Wore out. And there have been several times that I felt some shifting, and it's in those moments that I had these long conversations with God to go, okay, God, why is this feeling, I mean, we're going to get hit with the wind. It's true. Why am I feeling like my feet are starting to move? And maybe, just maybe, I had, I had placed my hope in some things that were false hope. I'll be honest with you. I placed my hope sometimes in the, in the reasonable nature of humans. That didn't happen. Okay? I had placed my hope in some of, the, some of the systems that have, have worked in the past in terms of our political systems, it didn't happen. And there have just been times in which I felt my feet move, and I'm just telling you, it's a good time to take stock and realize that when the shifting starts to happen, even though the wind's going to hit us all, when the shifting starts to happen, it's a good time to take stock and say, oh, why is this moving and it's a time of confession, and it's a time of, of restating, not just a belief, not just a hope, not just optimistic truth, but to hold tight to and to find the anchor of the absolute hope that I want my life to be built on. Guys, we're, <laughs> we're all going to get beat by the wind of the storm. We're all going to get beat down emotionally and physically. I love the way Paul said this to the church in Corinth after he talked about the fragile clay jars that we are. I think I read this in our last, in our last series. You know, we are the fragile clay jars with this light inside of us. And he goes on to say, we're going to be pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. And we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. This is Paul's way of saying, oh, the winds are coming. The winds will happen. You will feel it. You will begin to feel worn down physically, emotionally. It's going to be a good time for you to understand that, oh, you, you're going to feel those things, but you don't have to give in to those things. Especially when you're building your life, when you're actually putting your faith and trust in absolute hope that does not move, that does not change because the storms are going to happen. He hits these three things for that reason. 
The rain's coming, the flood's coming, the wind's coming. I don't know where you may have been experiencing some of this this year, but I'm just telling you, it, it, it affects how we respond. And just in case, you may have already had some issues this year because you put, you've been building your life and you didn't even realize it. You've been really kind of resting some things in your life on the false hope of shifting sand. And 2020 happened. And it really messed things up for you. There's good news. That even in those moments, God's at work in you. He doesn't just leave you out to dry. Like the picture wasn't something of despair. Hey, either it's going to be this or that. I hope it's not that for you. No, the picture is throughout the New Testament is this constant coming back to when you realize that that's the case, confess it. Repent of it. Share that with God and begin to shift where you are because he's at work in that. Even when you have built on the shifting sand, he will be at work in some of those failures. Here's how he says it to the church in, uh, I think it's in Rome. We can rejoice that when we run into problems and trials, we know that they keep, or sorry, that we know that they help us develop endurance. God's at work in those things. And endurance is going to develop strength of character, and character is going to strengthen our confident hope of salvation. It's going to remind us of where our hope's supposed to be. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Again, absolute hope. Just put that in your head when you read this. This absolute hope will not lead, lead to disappointment. We know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Absolute hope is our foundation. That's what it's supposed to look like. That's what it's supposed to be. Okay? That's why Jesus gave, uh, gave all the things he gave in, the, in the, um, the Sermon on the Mount. I'm just going to challenge you to read through Matthew 5 through 7 over the next few weeks. Just read through it in your devotions. Read through all the words and all the wisdom and all the teaching that Jesus said, look, at the end of this thing, I'm going to tell you that when you, when you live by it, when you, when you build your life on it, it's going to be just like building on me, on the absolute hope that the foundation of your life needs to be on because the wind's going to come. <laughs> 2021 came. Sorry, 2020, 2020 came. 2021's going to happen. We can all be optimistic about it or we can cruise in knowing that storms may come, but our lives are going to be built on the right foundation on the absolute hope. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about two of the things that we see. Two of the things that we're seeing in the church, in our culture, in our communities, in terms of how people have had to, have just kind of defaulted, if you will, responding to the storms that have come. And it's fear and anger. Especially when it doesn't look like fear. Especially when it doesn't look like anger. We're going to talk through how we're seeing these responses and how in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus himself addressed those two things to bring us back to the absolute hope that is the foundation of what we have. There's that verse again, just to put into memory. The words I speak to you are not, are not incidental additions to your life. 
They're not add-ons. They're not homeowner improvements to the way you want to live. No, they're foundational words. Words to build a life on. When I was growing up as a kid, um, how many of y'all remember hymnals? Remember hymnals? Yeah, hymnals. Now, we don't have hymnals anymore. We have screens. And so, you know, not everybody needed to have their own copy of songs. We can look at the screen and, and do that. But I know there's lots of traditional people that sort of love the smell of paper, you know, and mildewy hymnals in the, you know, in, in pews, you know what I'm saying? And <clears throat> ever since we started preparing for this series and, and we sort of landed on the Sermon on the Mount, um, this hymn just kept coming back to me, just kept coming back to me, kept coming back to me. Because it's just one that as I sang it, very similar to some songs in your life that, that are choruses for you, that are anthems for you, this song continued to come back and come back. And it's a beautiful hymn called On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, right? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, that righteousness he gives you and me. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I'm going to wholly lean on Jesus' name. And the refrain, if you will, the chorus was on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is shifting sand. All other ground is shifting sand. And what a great hymn to continue to remind us of his words in Matthew 7. That it's his blood and his righteousness, the rock that I'm going to build my life on. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, thank you so much for your word because it does reveal to us an opportunity to learn this on the front end. That God, we have choices to listen and to obey and to put into practice your words, to build our life on the foundation of who you are and your words, God. And when we do that, <laughs> when the storms come, we will not fall. God, I'm praying for everyone here this morning and for those watching online and watching later, God. If they've been struggling this year with the shifting sand of false hope that they have been leaning on in their life, that have because of the storms and because of what's come and because of where we are here and now, God, that they're struggling. They're struggling with their faith. They're struggling with trust. God, I pray that they would be renewed in their, in their fervor, renewed in their, in their heart and passion, that they could put their trust in you. That you offer something that no one else offers. You don't just offer hope, you offer absolute hope. And God, we so desperately need it, especially when the storms come. God, I pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.